You're listening to WALT. Homegrown. Homemade radio. And it was called TSB. Uh, it stood for Tiny Scumbags, Tough Shit Baby. I mean, I don't know where we even came up with the name. We had t-shirts. You know, we used to have parties all the time. black leather jacket, brown loafers with tassels, a flannel shirt with the top two buttons open, straining ever so slightly against a round yet firm paunch, a briefcase, a pack of cigarettes, a blonde woman with a fur coat and a distant look in her eye, a bag of antique costume jewelry. These are the things I knew would be in the rental car every time Uncle Charles came to visit. He'd arrive in the evening on a late flight out of Miami, where he lived in an apartment with a big oak door. The door had a carving of an old ship with tall rigging, its sails fat with wind, forging ahead on the crest of a wave, in spite of the giant squid tentacles that were wrapped around its hull. The apartment was in Coconut Grove, which he called The Grove. There were flamingos that walked the streets there, he told me once. I didn't believe him, until I went to visit four years ago and I saw them with my own eyes. That's when he told me the story about TSB. Uncle Charles is many things, a gambler, a cipher, a hoot, and a criminal. He is also the reason I became a taxi driver. From WALTFM, you're listening to Family Ghosts. I'm Sam Dingman. This week, on the third installment of our December series of bonus episodes, you're going to learn a little bit more about a character from the very first episode of Family Ghosts, my wayward Uncle Charles, and how he got me mixed up in a fool's errand with this guy. And he said, Dude, it wasn't my shit I was on a bench, but I didn't have my ID. I did not know what that meant. <laughs> but whatever this gentleman had done, on that bench, with that shit, and this lack of identification, had apparently incurred the wrath of the police. That's after the break, along with more exciting updates on season four of Family Ghosts, which is coming your way on January 14th of 2021. We'll be right back. My Friend Robin is the host of one of New York's longest-running live storytelling shows. It's called Yum's the Word, and ordinarily, Robin does the show at a club in the West Village called Le Poisson Rouge. It's one of the best nights out in the city. Robin bakes ice cream cakes and writes original songs, and you get to hear true stories from performers like Tim Gunn and Mo Rocca. One time when I was at the show, Joy Behar told a story. Obviously, the days of live shows in cool clubs are on hiatus at the moment. But that didn't stop Robin from pulling together a virtual Yum's the Word show a few months ago, back in the early days of quarantine. The show was right around Passover, 
So Robin asked for performers to pitch stories about how being Jewish has impacted their lives. Now, I'm the type of Jew who didn't even realize it was Passover, which will be abundantly clear in just a second here, but I was grateful for the opportunity to perform, even if it was under bizarre circumstances. And so, on a chilly Friday night this past April, with cicadas and frogs singing in the background, my partner Adrian and I sat down on the couch in the cabin we were staying in, opened my laptop, and peered into the camera for a virtual version of the kind of night we hope to have again before too long. There's nothing like washing down Robin's ice cream cakes with cold beer from the bar at La Poisson Rouge between peals of laughter. But it still felt good to sit on the couch with Adrian, open a can of beer called Boom Sauce IPA that I found at an upstate grocery store, and tell this story about the mystery man from Coconut Grove and his role in a harrowing incident from my brief but eventful career as a cab driver. So, a few years ago, I was working as a cab driver in New York City. And this one day, I'm driving down 2nd Avenue, and I'm right around 36th Street, and I see this guy standing on the corner with his hand in the air, trying to hail a cab. And he's got matted, greasy, blonde hair. He's wearing pants that have big holes in the knees. And he's wearing like two-fifths of a tank top. Now, there is unfortunately sort of an unspoken rule in being a good cab driver, which is what drivers refer to as passenger judgment. And it is generally frowned upon to pick somebody up who looks like they're an extra from The Walking Dead. Um, However, uh, I did not say that I was a good cab driver. (laughs) So... I pulled over and I picked this guy up. And he gets into the cab. The cab is instantly filled with the smells of sweat and fortified wine. And he leans forward, so his head is right through the partition between the back seat and the front seat. And so his head is basically right over my shoulder like he's a parrot. Um, (laughs) And he says, and now I am gonna be uh, imitating this man's voice throughout this story and You may hear the imitation and think that it's an exaggeration. All I can tell you is it isn't. Um, He says, I need to go to Williamsburg, bro. And I don't have a lot of cash. Now, given the fact that he is perched on my shoulder like a parrot, um, Mm -hmm. as he says this, I also notice that he only has four teeth. (gasps) Now, based on all the factors that I've told you about so far... I surmised that this guy's tooth-to-dollars ratio, (laughs) probably about one-to-one, at best. (laughs) Now, you might be asking yourself, Sam, why did you pick up this vagrant? Um, Were you perhaps uh, trying to do your social duty um, and help the less fortunate among us get from point A to point B? No. I was trying, believe it or not, to feel Jewish. I will explain. So Judaism, as you may have surmised by some of my remarks uh, on this evening's broadcast, was not a huge part of our household growing up. My mom's family is Jewish, but we did not go to temple. We did not celebrate Passover. We did not keep kosher. My mom sometimes liked to lean into some of the cultural aspects of Judaism. For example, we would make chopped liver every Thanksgiving. 
And um, one time I told her that I wanted to get a tattoo of a penguin. <laughs> and she told me that that was tantamount to being branded by the Nazis in the concentration camps. Oh, my God. So that was about <laughs> it. The main connection that I ever actually really felt with Judaism was when her brother, my Uncle Charles, would come to visit. Now, my brother and I uh, loved when Uncle Charles would come to visit. We called him Uncle Lucky. And the reason we did that is because he would come into town and he would put us in his rental car and he would take us to 7-Eleven and buy us each one candy bar and let us watch him scratch off lottery tickets and <laughs> chain smoke. <laughs> Which is why we called him Uncle Lucky. And he would be in town because he was there to sell jewelry. He was in the jewelry business. And he had taken over my great-grandfather Saul's jewelry business. And Saul had come to this country um, with $15 in his pocket, and he had gotten a job selling oranges by the side of the road. And at some point, somebody said to him that the only place that it, Jews were safe and welcome to work was the Diamond District on 47th Street in Manhattan. And so he had gone there, and he'd worked his way up, and he had gotten his own storefront. And this was um, a huge deal for him. And he had passed the business on to my uncle, Uncle Lucky. And so Uncle Lucky would come and he would spill out on the kitchen table when we got back from 7-Eleven, this incredible array of brooches and bracelets and necklaces and rings. And he would tell us stories. Um, one of the stories he told us uh, was from his youth, um, which was that he had started this he called it a social club. Um, I think gang of punks is probably a more accurate definition. Um, he remembered that they, this group called themselves TSB. He could not remember if that stood for tough shit baby or tiny scumbags. Um, and then he would also tell us stories about our great grandfather Saul who had started the jewelry business. And the story that always stuck with me is this parable that according to Saul used to go around the diamond district, which is that um, the Jewish gemologists in Africa would sneak diamonds out of the mines for themselves by hiding them in the treads of the tires on the, the vehicles that would drive the shipments out away from the mines. And that in a way, this was the story of the Jews themselves. Um, they moved through the world and, and kept their values close um, against the preferences and wishes of everybody around them. They were vital, they were ever-present, but they were mostly unseen. And I always found that story really, really powerful. And as a kid growing up who didn't really feel like he fit in, the liminality of that existence, the kind of existing between two worlds, the idea that you could have an identity in doing that was really powerful to me. And that's what ended up drawing me to being a cab driver. Um, it's what made me feel like it was maybe a way that I could capture a little bit of Uncle Lucky's cool. And that's really what made me pick up this guy who uh, looked like an extra from The Walking Dead who was standing on the street corner that day. So that day we're driving down 2nd Avenue and we go by a police station, uh, which is a normal thing to do in the course of driving down 2nd Avenue where there is in fact a police station. But as we're going by, this gentleman uh, reperches on my shoulder parrot style. And he says, no cops, bro. We can't go past no cops. 
And I said, why? <laughs> and he said, Dude, it wasn't my shit I was on the bench, but I didn't have my ID. Now, I did not know what that meant. <laughs> but whatever this gentleman had done on that bench with that shit and this lack of identification had apparently incurred the wrath of the police. So I said to him, no problem, we'll go a different way. And what I was intending to convey in this moment is, you and me, we're not so different. Between two worlds, am I right? That is not the message he received from me in this moment. Or at least I don't think it is because he said, Good motherfucker, because I got a knife. Mm. Which he then proved to me by brandishing it through the partition. So I was very afraid. I veered off of Second Avenue. And I don't know how well all of our viewers know New York City geography, but had I stayed on Second Avenue, it would have been very easy for me to get on the Williamsburg Bridge, which is so named because it goes directly to Williamsburg, <laughs> this man's ostensible destination. Because we were not permitted to do that due to the bench and identification situation, I instead had to drive all the way south to the bottom of the island, loop back up again, and then go across the bridge to avoid the police station which meant that the fare went up really, really high. But again, there was a very low likelihood that this guy was going to be able to pay it before he pulled the knife. <laughs> so as I'm going on this um, unplanned jaunt, I'm thinking back on Uncle Lucky, and I'm realizing that I've spent a lot of time thinking about that first part of the Uncle Lucky story, and how it made me feel connected to my Judaism. But I have not given nearly enough thought to the second half, which is that the last time he came to visit, he came to our house. There was no trip to 7-Eleven. There were no lottery tickets. He said a cursory hello to my brother and me, and he said, I need to talk to your parents about some money stuff. My brother and I were sent to bed. We later found out that Uncle Lucky had borrowed a my mom's entire life savings. Oh, my God. And when I say borrowed, that was the word that he used. What he actually did was to steal it because we didn't see him for 15 years after that. And so as I finally made it to Williamsburg, I was reflecting on this. And I pulled up to this corner because... The guy in the backseat said, stop here. So I pulled over and he leans through one more time and he says, you did okay, bro. And then he gave me six greasy dollar bills. So exceeds expectations on the performance report. Ugh. And then he breathed really, really heavily on my neck. And he got out of the cab and he walked off into the distance. And I sat there and I looked at these crumpled bills and I thought about how many of these near-death experiences I had had as a cab driver. 
And I realized that I did not still really know what it meant to be Jewish. But I don't think it was supposed to feel like this. I didn't feel like a diamond between the treads of a tire. I felt really small and I felt really afraid. I felt like a tiny scumbag. Thank you. Before we end this episode, Ghost Family, I'm guessing there are at least a few of you out there who heard me utter the phrase Family Ghosts spin-off a couple weeks ago and have perhaps been wondering since then, what did Sam mean by that? And today, friends, I am going to answer that question. I was talking about a brand new show from WALT-FM called Fisher Family Ghosts, which is going to be a companion podcast to the HBO series Six Feet Under. If you've seen Six Feet Under, which is about a family called the Fishers who run a funeral home, who are trying to piece together the truth about who their father was after he dies unexpectedly, it probably won't surprise you to learn that Six Feet Under was a huge creative influence on me. And since next year happens to be the 20-year anniversary of the release of Six Feet Under, and since we're heading into the fourth season of this show, and since we're all going to be trapped inside for another few months, and since Adrian who you heard graciously laughing at a few of my jokes in that taxi story, has never seen it, I thought it would be cool to revisit Six Feet Under, which I haven't watched since it originally aired, and see how it reverberates for me today. Not to mention whether or not it has a similarly profound effect on Adrian, who is a storyteller and podcaster in her own right. So that's what you're going to hear every week on Fisher Family Ghosts, which will be launching very soon. I am going to share the first episode right here in the Family Ghosts feed. And if you're interested in analyzing family dramas, which something tells me you are, I hope you'll tune in. Now, once again, folks, upon learning about this, you might be correctly realizing that it's going to be a lot of work to pull off the fourth season of Family Ghosts and a whole new podcast at the same time. And if you're wondering how that's possible, I need you to know that it is only possible because of the support of a generous group of our listeners called the Kindred Spirits, who support our work on Patreon for just $5 a month. I understand that it may seem weird when I talk about needing your support for this show when you hear ads during the breaks in our episodes, but while I am very grateful for those sponsorships, the fact is that the revenue they bring in doesn't even begin to cover the operating expenses of creating work at the level of quality that you expect from us here at WALTFM. And that's why I'm asking you, if you have the means, to join the Kindred Spirits. There are many perks to the membership, which again is just $5 a month, including early access to all of our episodes, bonus content you won't hear anywhere else. Just this month, Kindred Spirits heard a recording of a panel I was on with two fellow audio artists called The Limitations of Truth about subjectivity in storytelling. Kindred Spirits also get all of our episodes ad-free and lots of other cool surprises. For example, they have already seen the brand new Family Ghosts Season 4 show art and the show art for Fisher Family Ghosts. If you would like to learn more, please visit patreon.com slash familyghosts. And either way, thank you 
so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Robin's show, Yum's the Word, check the show notes for this episode. Robin's got a podcast of her own, featuring stories from almost 10 years of live shows. We will be back in your headphones on Tuesday of next week, a little earlier than usual because of the holiday, for our last bonus episode of 2020, right here on Family Ghosts, where every house is haunted. <laughs>